Okay, thank you very much. We just have to make a start of our second session. And I believe that the first one was a blessing. But Alan did take us through the understanding of peace lost. And the next session is going to be about peace restored. Whatever we have lost, it's like when the scripture says that endure the years that a canker worm has eaten and everything has plundered. He says it's going to restore. Amen? And the scripture also talks of God giving us double portion. And so when we look up to him, whatever we've lost, is going to restore. So let me invite once again Reverend Dr. Alan Spain to come and give us the next session of talk. Thank you. Ah. There used to be an ex well, I don't know if they still use it. There used to be an expression that we used to have uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's a terrible expression. Um, I, I just thought of it because I had in my notes, the path to peace is paved with putting things right. The path to peace is paved with putting things right. I, I was deeply moved by the song after I spoke that you guys did, and one line that I picked up among many was uh, something like, I lay down my lies and my doubts. No. <laughs> you, you don't mind if I take this, do you? <laughs> take it if you like. <laughs> Please turn it off. Just turn it off if you can. Oh, dear. Anyway, this helps my point. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the line, as I say, that I was touched by was, um, I lay down my lies and my doubts. How's peace to be regained? We lose it in our lives, our relationships, our church. Um, generally, peace is to do with good and evil. Things need to be put right. The lies need to be laid down. I, I came and studied at university in, in England <coughs> as a young man. Um, full of arrogance, but God spoke to me and won my heart in my first few months here. My um, best friend at that time had been at school with me for eight years. He was at university with me. And he wasn't convinced about my conversion. He wasn't convinced at all about these things. And I felt I need to go and talk to him. I had a small scar underneath my left eye at that time. 
and uh, I told him I'd got it. I, the gang outside the pinball machines that I used to go and play on had come at me, and there'd been a scuffle and a fight, and I'd had my eye cut. He liked the story. I just mentioned it once, but he liked the story. I was explaining the cut. And when we met friends in the years later, he often introduced me as to the fighter of the gang at the pinball machines. <laughs> the, the slight problem with the story is that actually I was cut by my younger brother when I tried to take a knife away from him. So, two weeks after I was converted, with a new sense of God's voice in my ear, I went to my friend and I said, that wasn't a gang at the pinball machines, it was my younger brother with a knife. He looked at me with such disappointment and anger. He said, how could you have lied to me for so many years? And, you know, we remained friends for a long time, but um, I don't think we brought the issue up in the next 50 years. But he was <coughs> terribly, terribly disappointed and upset with me. Anyway, his story is that uh, he came to Christian faith. He worked with me as an evangelist in the South African townships. He did a degree, then a doctorate in theology. He taught at the Baptist colleges in South Africa. He planted a number of churches and a few months away was taken by the Lord to glory. An amazing man. Now, I'm not making any causal connection, but I do think it is important we put things right early on. It's important we put things right. And it's not always a blessing when we do. It's often quite a bit of shame. Some people are very good in seeing right and wrong, good and evil in the outside world, in injustice, in exploitation, in all sorts of abuse that goes on in the world, and they are activists for these causes. Great, let's give them, and let's be involved in that. But you can do that and see where evil abounds in the world and have very little sense of evil in your own heart. You can be focused on dark things out there, but not be very good at looking in a mirror and seeing it. In Psalm 139, the psalmist prays, you know, show me, O Lord, my own heart. Search me and know me. Show me if there's any evil way in me. I read a parable and make some comments on it just because it helps us to get to grips with this point. <clears throat> to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. 
the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. You probably know the story well, but just stay with it for a moment. It's easy to imagine this can almost be like the temple. Two men come in to pray. One of them is confident, and one of them is religious, and has religious status as a Pharisee. One of them looks up and feels at home with God and the world and at peace. And he gives a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your blessings on my life. Thank you for the acts of spirituality, his tithing, his giving, his fasting. He is thankful. And he's particularly thankful that his life has worked out well. Not like this other guy over here whose life has not worked out well. Thank you, Lord, that my life hasn't ended up like that. I think the nearest equivalent in current English language of expressing that is this expression. I wonder if you've ever heard, heard it. There but for the grace of God go I. My problem is not any if I heard it. I've sometimes felt like using it. When we were in Ealing, I used to go for a walk in the park and I loved it. I loved just being, I thought it was wonderful. But along the wall, there was graffiti that kids had put up. I just said, oh, thank you, God, that my kids don't do graffiti. <laughs> There's another man who's coming for prayer. And he's not feeling great. His confidence is so low, he won't raise up his head. He has a deep awareness <coughs> that aspects of darkness are e and evil are in his own heart. He hasn't got a fancy prayer. His prayer is short. And his prayer is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, this, this is an ironical, complex, paradoxical parable. Jesus, in his own exaggerated way, in his love of exaggeration, says, here is a troubled soul who goes home justified. Here is an untroubled, apparently peaceful soul who is in trouble with God. It's like everything's on its head here. Here is a chap who everyone would say, rush to the one guy and say, oh, my brother, let's be calm. Let's find a way of solving this problem. Perhaps it isn't so bad. Perhaps a little prayer. In the we but Jesus says, that guy's okay. Perhaps you should run over to the Pharisee and put your arm around him and say, you've got problems, son. 
because you are caught up in self-righteousness and self-confidence. So, having awareness of good and evil in the world is important, but it is clearly more important if we're going to truly understand the road to peace to see the darkness in our own lives. And I don't like this sort of language because it leads to a troubled soul. If you have a look at yourself and you see the darkness, it leads to a troubled soul. Get over that, move on from that. The irony is, it's the troubled soul who's justified, who has peace with God. So if you are a bit like me, at night sometimes quite a troubled soul, take hope. If you see the cracks in your own life and you're ashamed and embarrassed about them, take hope. If you've got certain addictive behaviors that you're not proud of, that you would be ashamed to say openly, take hope. You're one of the good guys. I, um, I gave a talk on this years back in South Africa at a charismatic conference. Everyone was really looking for a blessing from God, as I was. But I'm, if I'm honest, the talk didn't go down very well. And I said, why in our charismatic services is there not much space for repentance and confession and stuff. Why? Why it might, at least there, that's what it was like. And one of the leaders said to me, you know, it's something that we assume. It's something that we take for granted. It's something that you do at home. And that might be the case. I'm not raising any criticism. But it just, it is a red flag, isn't it? If there is no focus at all on the fault lines in our lives and the recognition that this issue of good and evil is also part of my own situation and sometimes, not sometimes, but pretty well always an ongoing part of my own situation. Why, why is it important in the path to peace? Well, Jesus explained the one went home justified, but practically, Self-righteousness and self-assuredness that doesn't face issues, isn't it? There's nobody that can be more troubling in a family reunion or whatever as the person who's convinced that they're okay and they're all right. The person who arrives at Christmas dinner just thinking, thank God I'm not like the rest of the guys here. Thank you, Lord. Show me my own heart. The road to peace is an awareness of one's own heart and the failings in one's own heart. We come to recognize, as we do, the darkness. And when we see aspects of darkness and repeated darkness, we do have a sense of shame. The great, the great mystery is the Christian saints our greatest heroes in the Christian faith, whether it's Augustine or whoever, had deep, 
deep understanding of their own darkness. And the closer they got to God, it's almost that the crack showed up more vividly. But let, let me move along that line, but slightly more positively. Jesus tells the story of a woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. You know the story. I'll read part of that as well to you. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that, um, in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was sitting in the Pharisee's house. And as she came there, and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him. And what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender, said Jesus. One owed him, owed him 500 denaria, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debt of both. Now, now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt forgiven. Ah, you've judged correctly, said Jesus. Then he turned to the woman and said, you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Hey, that's a great story, isn't it? I love that story. Sometimes when I've had some counseling um, with people who've felt very low about themselves, I just got them to read that story with me. I love it. I love the idea that a woman who was ostracized by society for her life of sinfulness, suggesting that she's a prostitute in this. Somehow this woman outcast, out of society, something happens to her in relation with Jesus, she's just got to be there. She's, 
He might be in a fancy house, but in she comes with all her cheapness and all whatever. It's a bit, I don't know if you saw that film Pretty Woman, but seen, uh, seen a prostitute go into a fancy hotel. She went right in to Jesus' feet, and she was all over him. She was just wanting to serve and to love and to give what the best she'd got was the perfume. She just wanted to pour that out. But, of course, the Pharisees just thought, what? He started doubting that this could really be a spiritual man. If he was a spiritual man, he would know. Even if he was an intelligent man, if he had any sensitivity, he'd say, excuse me, you know, dear, see you afterwards or my time's a bit later or whatever. Go, God bless you and cheerio. <laughs> but he didn't. And Simon the Pharisee was bubbled up in his heart. feeling quite angry, and Jesus sensed, perhaps just he just saw the eye looks and the backwards and forwards. And so he gave them this little trick question. He said, one person gets forgiven this much and another person forgets given much. Who loves the most? And trapped and knowing that he's probably going to get himself into trouble, Simon has to say, well, it's the one who's forgiven most. Jesus says, well, she's been forgiven most, therefore she loves more. Hey, can we get your head around that? You've got to be a great sinner to have actually be a great lover. I, I feel really good about that. Some of you might feel a bit bad about that. But God bless any of you here who are great sinners. For you're in with a chance. You've got such reason to love. If you've done dark deeds and the Lord has come and washed them clean, then you've got reason to love like some of these small-minded sinners have no idea. God's grace is shown most in the love that pours out with those who've tasted grace most deeply. It's, it's problematic. Paul says in one place, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. It's almost like you spill oil on the carpet, but we have some detergent that the further you put oil on, the more detergent we put on, and it covers all the more. The religious person could say, what? Should we sin that grace can abound? Ah, says Paul, by no means. May ganoito, Never. We who are in Christ, who've been baptized into Christ, we can't live like that anymore. We've been buried him. But the truth remains that the more sin abounds, the more grace overabounds. Those who are forgiven much will love much. I'm trying 
to understand the complexities of broken relationships. And broken relationships, you can go to counselors. For broken marriages, you can see people. I'm sure they do their good. But at the heart of the matter, underlying broken relationships is self-righteousness, the unwillingness to recognize faults, to admit faults, to confess faults, to accept confession. It's to do with honesty. At the end of the day, it's to do with honesty. The first parable said, spiritual people are not always the most honest. It's a fact. a danger that we all are susceptible to. There was a wonderful German, no, he was German born, but he was an American theologian called Niebuhr. And he said, there are three sorts of pride. The first is the pride of power. You see it when somebody gets made a sergeant in the army or a captain or whatever, or gets in politics. There's pride with power that looks down on people without power. It's power pride. You'll see it in all sorts of places. But there's a darker form of pride. It's academic pride. The way a powerful person in the army or politics looks down on little people is nothing like the way academics look down on the unlearned or the unread or somebody untrained. We in the academic world have a wonderful way of dismissing just about everybody except the little small group, and most of those we don't look upon anyway. But Niebuhr said the worst sort is spiritual pride. Because spiritual pride can look down on just about everybody for spiritual reasons. Look down on other churches, other groups, other faiths, other whatever, there but for the grace of God go I. And somehow at the heart of the way of peace and the way of the kingdom is the way of deep humility. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who mourn. And it's the turning that over on its side. That actually allows us to tread back and rebuild and find ways of peace. Peace is, of course, about losing some of the fears we've got. Peace is, of course, about feeling confident in this world financially and a whole lot of things with the sicknesses and stuff around. Those are all great features. But underlying, there is the peace that has to do with relationships. And our relationships break down in peace. 
is the most serious area. People don't commit suicide sometimes because they're poor, but they do commit suicide because their relationships have become unscrambled. Here's the point. And ultimately, if we are to pursue the way of peace, we're called for all, we're called for steps of honesty and reflection about ourselves. And to be able to see fault lines in our own life. You say, but those are forgiven. Yes, they are forgiven, but they're not all healed this side of glory. And so some of those fault lines remain. Paul used to be a killer of Christians. And when he tells this amazing thing about Christ has risen from the dead and appeared to 600 or the apostles, then 600 and then these and these and these, he says, and eventually he appeared to me as one untimely born, as a, as a malformation. For I am the least of the disciples, not worthy to be called so because I used to persecute Christians. Paul had a complex of his past. It sat heavy on him that he never seemed to resolve. He just found a way through it. He said, but I am what I am by the grace of the Lord. I am what I am by the grace of the Lord. And somehow in this life, we've got to be able to see the fault lines and accept that the Lord has brought me this route with those fault lines in them. And be humble as I walk with my God. Because humility and putting right are the early steps to becoming a peacemaker. And we will look at that next time.